You're listening to the Painting Goddess Podcast with Jennifer Hershue. This is episode number 111. Well, hello, witches. It's Wednesday. I'm so excited to be here. This recorded, this podcast is being recorded on 5-18-2021, and we are all about Gemini season today. Gemini is the sign of mutable air, and we're going to really dig into it. So excited to be here today. Thank you for joining me. Um, Let's get down to a little bit of housekeeping first. Once again, my name is Jennifer. I'm the founder of Painted Goddess and the creator of the Astrologic Lab, where you can unpack your natal chart uh, bit by bit and really start to do some of the work to integrate those parts of yourself that you have probably either uninvited or <laughs> perhaps shadowed within yourself as you've learned about. Um, astrology on a very, you know, kind of surface level, right? Oh, Scorpios do this, Capricorns do that, Virgos do this, Geminis do that, blah, blah, blah. I dated a Gemini once. I dated, everybody's dated a Gemini once, by the way. <laughs> um, or at least I hope you have. Mm, good stuff. But I will say that once we start to learn astrology and deepen our practice of reflection around the zodiac wheel and understanding all of these different pieces are actually in archetypes really are within us we are every zodiac sign we are everything uh, every planet and asteroid in our chart we have that somewhere so um that's what we do in the astrologic lab we really um go bit by bit class by class workbook by workbook, worksheet by worksheet, and just talk about and unpack some of the ways that these uh, archetypes are living in our lives, how astrology lives within us and, and through us. And um, in this podcast, I really do attempt to bring in the larger cosmic weather aspects. So if you're new here, welcome. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much. I am so grateful for you. As always, um, uh, well, I want to start by saying that if you'd like to support this podcast, you can do that and just going to anchor.fm slash painted goddess pod and you can find um, my podcast and support it. Um, if you're listening through the anchor app, you are right there already. Um, if you would love to also support it by a non-denominational way, you can, or what is that non-patron way, you can just give it some stars, a review on Apple Podcasts, and um, you also, if you listen on Spotify, when the end of the year comes and they send you your synopsis of, you know, your summary of the year, you can share that on social media and tag me, let me know you're listening. I really always appreciate hearing how this work lands in your lap, in your mind, in your heart, and um, and just so very appreciative. Um, so a few ways to work with me. I do have readings that I have available. I've opened my books for June and July. I only have a few dates, but if you want to check that out, you can go to my website right now, paintedgoddess.com. Scroll down to right now, if you're listening to this within the week before the full moon eclipse in Sagittarius on the 26th of May, you'll be able to find the fairy festival offering page that I created. All you have to do is give me your email and opt in. You'll get a 15% coupon code right now for a whole host of things, including two of my offerings of readings that I do, which is a full natal chart or a three card tarot astrology transit reading. So it's a great deal. It's a great time to get a reading if you're interested in some guidance and looking at where things are, but you don't want to learn astrology yourself, or you just want another perspective. You know, I always get 
readings from others, and I'm really excited. Um, I recently got a reading from Thea Wershing, who is the Pluto babe, and actually a couple of episodes back, I interview her on this podcast about series and um, evolutionary astrology, so you should check that out if you have not. But that's one way to work with me is to get a reading. The second way to work with me is just through this podcast. It's free. You can listen every week. Again, I really appreciate reviews and stars. It helps the algorithm get to uh, those who would like this uh, uh, material just like you. And the third way right now would be to join the Astrologic Lab. This is um, our annual uh, anniversary, um, the 22nd of May is when I opened the lab last year, 2020, during a pandemic. We are still in this pandemic to some degree. Um, but I'm super excited to see how this next second year unfolds. For those of you who are founding members, I'm so grateful for your continuing support and learning and insights and sharing. It's incredible. We have classes twice a month. We have coaching calls twice a month. That's the rhythm we've set into. Um, I hadn't intended to have so many classes every month for the lab, but I have to say that the enthusiasm of all the members have made it um, so exciting to come to class, bringing new material, guiding through reflections and different things. I always bring, you know, a heart-centered, sacred space to some degree to our coaching calls. Um, our classes are pretty much slides and worksheets, and um, I'm a huge fan of writing down things. So there's a lot of worksheets to print in the lab, a whole year's worth of material. So if you wanted to start during the summer, it might be a good time for you maybe to get in the lab, print a bunch of stuff out and take it with you on the road through your travels on your vacations. And, um, you know, spend a little time in the sun under your favorite tree, uh, practicing your symbol writing for astrology, like you might if you were in Hogwarts for astrology, right? This is kind of a magic school. You're learning a sacred old language um, through astrology. So it's a really beautiful way to interact with the cosmos, I believe. And it's a killer place to meet some fantastic fucking witches who are badasses and really amazing. Um, yes. So, and if that's you, thank you again. And um, if you know friends and you're in the lab, um, I have a referral program that you can earn $1 um, against your membership for every month that uh, one of your friends that refers you is in it. So there's so much to, um, I don't know, I'm just trying to create a space where we get together, we have these conversations, we look at our own natal chart and really start to understand what exactly it means for this, you know, the sun, the moon, the stars, and all of the planets to move through our chart. And just to start really focusing on those cycles that move us through. Right now we are in, you know, in the midst of kind of unpacking our Venus pentagrams. Um, and this is that idea that Ariel Gutman put forward around Venus star points, which, you know, she has done an incredible amount of work and books on. And you can absolutely um, take a look at some of her beautiful YouTube videos um, about this subject. But Venus being this really beautiful kind of personal planet that weaves a flower or star or pentagram in the sky as it relates to the sun and earth and rotates around um, its orbit, right, around the sun. And um, it creates a pattern in your chart. So tonight on the coaching call, we're actually looking at the star, the pentagram that it creates in your chart and my chart as well. So we all like looked at it and we're looking at it from the book of houses perspective because, you know, the book of houses is really what inspired me to open the lab because it felt very much like we're watching these transgression, you know, these transits happen, uh, progressions through and not to say <laughs> we're not, we're not doing progressions um, as it would traditionally be called in astrology. It's another thing on the list, but not yet. Um, but we're really looking at the, the transits as the sun moves through and the moon moves through specifically. But then, of course, as all the other planets move through our chart, what house is it in, right? We're using houses as the 
where and we're using that um, knowledge as a place to understand how do we focus our witchcraft how do we focus our magic into that space within our life right right now the sun and um the moon just had a conjunction a new moon that happened for me in my 12th house the sun is still in my 12th house and actually this next new moon in gemini will still be in my 12th house so i'm having my 12th house time right it's a bigger house in my chart uh based on the pallades or pallades that's another thing that's been on my mind are the pallades because um we we're having some alignments with that cluster of stars but what i meant to say was the placidus house system um my my 12th house is rather large and so you may have noticed that your houses have different sizes well we spend a different amount of time in each of these aspects of our lives throughout the zodiacal year throughout the year right and once once i started to sync up with everything and look at when did it occur that I had children, got married, decided to go to school, decided to, you know, get my herbal diploma, decided to quit a job, decided to start a job, decided to start a business. All of these things, when I started to place them into the houses where the sun was transiting and, um, you know, on a very simple level where the sun is transiting, you can add in all the other planets. Absolutely and get deeper reflection but even just the sun was so much of an aha moment i was like this stuff is good so i took that book of houses and i expanded some of the ways in which we reflect upon it and do it in a group setting so anyways there's my plug my elevator speech come join the lab it's 37 a month right now if you go to my website and um sign up for emails through uh, the fairy festival, you will get access. You'll get an opportunity to do a 12 house workshop and it's free, has a little workbook that goes with it. And there may be a special little, uh, goodie for you to joining the lab. All right. What are we talking about today? We're talking about Gemini season, right? We're going to talk about the whole cosmic weather of this month. We're going to unpack it a little bit. I'm going to give you some tips and tricks around the moon cycles. You know I love the moon. You know I love moon work. Um, and then we're actually going to um, talk a little bit about how to witchcraft this uh, season. So uh, come on back. See you on the other side. All right, welcome back. Okay, here's what we're talking about. Gemini season is a um, is is May twentieth to June twentieth this year. It varies sometimes a little bit. Sometimes we'll kick into Gemini on the twenty uh, on the nineteenth or so. This year it happens midday on the twentieth of May, mm. and then excuse me. And then the sun will move into Cancer and we'll have our summer solstice on June 20th. All right. So that's the longest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. Very exciting times. Um, I'm calling this Gemini season, you know, the theme overall communication and flexible thinking. This is a pretty basic theme for Gemini work, the Gemini archetype. Uh, Gemini is ruled by Mercury, and that rules uh, that has themes of communication, technology, language, and psychology, right? So we're talking about the mental game here, the stories that we tell ourselves. And in fact, Gemini archetype is a huge storyteller, and I go into this uh, very deeply, actually. It's kind of something I've been really um, weaving on with the Mercury retrograde that I'm doing. Um, if you've missed that, we're having a class today at one. If you're watching that or you're listening this morning, you you might still be able to catch it. You have to register for it. Um, but <clears throat> it's an email if you're on my email list. Anyways, I'm doing a web a workshop to um, Wednesday, the 19th, um, because we're in the pre-shadow of this retrograde already. Um, and so Mercury being the ruler of Gemini and going retrograde in Gemini is quite significant. Um, but you know, Mercury retrogrades are, are pretty significant anyways. <clears throat> 
And so I really think that this Gemini season has an extra emphasis on this kind of communication and flexible thinking that Gemini loves so much, right? So watching your brain, the element in, is air, right? So we're looking for clarifications. We're looking for mental health. We're looking for meditation and mediation and a connection with the self, right? This kind of interesting piece that I think is interesting, this interesting piece that I think I've been figuring, um, let me, let me, you know, extra word it, right? Um, you know, Gemini and Mercury um, are natives of the third house. The third house energy is all about, um, again, familiar communication. We're talking about daily travel, commuting, commerce, um, <clears throat> you know, exploring our daily lives in a way that is familiar, right? So things that become familiar, this is where siblings are. If you have a lot of aspects to your second house, you might have some, some issues with your siblings or coworkers. Um, you know, so when we look at Gemini or the third house, we also find these remnants of, you know, what Gemini and Mercury left in that house that built that, 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 that raised them. Right. So the house raises you and then Gemini maybe in another house, living in another house in your chart, but that third house still has these, um, imprints that were given by that Gemini flexible communication, talking about, you know, technology, emails, these things that we do every day, our calendars, right? These things that keep us connected to daily practice in a way that is um, exploratory though, right? In the book of houses, it talks about the third house being exploratory growth. So at this point, we're recognizing, again, coming back to that Gemini archetype of the twin and the mirror, we're recognizing that I am mirrored, right? Like the life I've created is a mirror of my values or is it right? So when we look into that Gemini mirror, when we go through Gemini season, there's this mirroring that's happening. I think it can be, you know, really telling what's being echoed back to us, what's being reflected back to us, what's being echoed back to us, mirrored back to us. We are looking at that reflection. We can contemplate, well, am I kind of creating this on purpose or is this, it, do, am I actually kind of just winging it or which is fine, right? Um, or have I even become kind of a victim of circumstance of everybody else's daily stuff? And I really don't know what I want to explore, right? So again, we're still in that, you know, the Gemini um, archetype is still a very personal, it's in that, you know, natively in the third house, which is in that first self quadrant, right? So the, the, the intention and the mission and the values that you find in Gemini are still about the self. It's about self-development and self-expression and self-exploration, right? So I'm exploring how it feels to do this thing, right? I'm, I'm exploring how it feels to be in different circumstances and, and different uh, scenarios and in different learning environments, different conversations, right? So we're looking at ourselves in some ways in the public space and kind of sizing ourselves up with our peers and our familiars, the people that we are around who influence us. And we're seeing how we measure up, how do they mirror us, right? And how do we get along in a lot of ways? How do we converse? How do we communicate our truth is also a huge Gemini um, value and mission. Um, all right. So the cosmic weather of this Gemini season really encourage in, in any really, it encourages communication and sharing ideas, exploring new ideas and creative expressions. Gemini season um, in 2021 begins with a square to the moon in Virgo. And, and so that makes flexibility the real tone of cosmic support here. Okay, Virgo is the, uh, the mutable earth sign, also ruled by Mercury. So we're seeing a tectonic kind of shift into a very flexible and agile reality, okay? Pluto retrograde is already underway, and Saturn is going to station retrograde as well soon during Gemini season, um, actually on the 23rd, so just three days after. Then on the 29th, Mercury is going to station retrograde. So this helps us slow down and it demands that we take a closer look at our thinking. Again, looking at that mercurial um, idea, that planetary ruler, what is Gemini about? It's about our thinking, our mental, our ideas, our thoughts, right? 
And so um, transformation and karmic debts and legacy are are at play as well because we've got this Pluto retrograde in Capricorn at play. And then we've got uh, Saturn stationing retrograde as well. So that brings in that karmic piece. Okay. Um, double, right? Because Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. So there's kind of this interesting triangulation of of retrogrades happening, you know, Saturn's in Aquarius retrograding. So of course there's this idea of the collective that's brought in and the good for all, right? The win-win of the collective. How do we create inclusiveness, right? So that we can pay back the, uh, the exclusive kinds of societies we were creating prior to understanding that we live, you know, on a tiny speck of dust hurtling itself through the universe. And we're kind of all we have. In my, in my opinion, I think that's good news. And we have to figure out what that looks like. Obviously, you know, the situation in Palestine and, and, and with, you know, between Israelis and Muslims in that area are, um, it is really, really fucking heartbreaking. And I've heard so many accounts of people on the ground um, who grew up during, you know, the 50s and 60s, and they just thought they were in a different place. And here we are back with, you know, basically war happening, civil war happening in the streets. They're trying to form a cohesive collective government and they're really struggling because there's so many uh, people who just don't believe that it can happen. And in fact, um, NPR was reporting that their new leader that's coming in, and I can't remember his name right now, um, you know, basically said, like, I don't think it's going to happen. And it's so interesting when we consider the power of, 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 a, of a statement like that when you've got people who are really looking for the hope that's needed right so when we when we talk about this time and i'm sure you know i mean i can name a billion other scenarios where these kinds of um dichotomous um supposed <laughs> dichotomous um factions of people are at war with each other thinking that they're all that different um and I think that from my perspective as a very liberal um, feminist, which uh, anti-racist as much as possible, you know, calling things out best I can within myself so that I can do better every day and learn from the mistakes of my ancestors and, um, you know, give hope to the, you know, children that I have and the, uh, and the children all over in my neighborhood, you know, that, that sometime we can get this shit really focused and decide how to move forward together. Right. Like when I think of the astrology part of, you know, what I say, it's just, you know, we are in times that transformations are trying to shift the reality toward always, I think harmony right? We, we notice in the astrological wheel, we start with the first house in Aries and we, and, you know, and Mars, right? With war and conflict and, and all of this, you know, kind of like pushing against reality. And then the scale tips and we get to the seventh house with Libra and we're negotiating and creating peace and diplomacy. And it just, it's, it's a turning wheel of the year always, right? We're working towards um, I think a better society that allows all to be here, ex you know, include all, exclude none, that anima mundi, um, you know, motto. And so how do we do that, right? Like as a person who really believes that the biodiversity of people on this planet is the, the savior of all of these problems, we recognize that, you know, you know, what's not, what's good for the goose is not always, you know, good for the gander, whatever the fucking saying is, but it's like, you know, people want different things, they value different things. So how can we create mutual respect and values on a societal level, and allow freedoms to um, be held within the autonomy it deserves, right? Body autonomy, <clears throat> personal choice, is is absolutely important but we all have to actually live next to each other on this planet and so what does that look like 
right? And I think astrology has some answers or at least some opinions about that. And Gemini season is certainly a time where communication can open up. But again, we're kind of working out, um, you know, with with these, you know, we're, we're entering eclipse season, right? So eclipse season is here. It amplifies the lessons of the Gemini archetype this year because the North Node is in Gemini. And so we're having that eclipse in the North Node, right? Which highlights communication, again, flexible thinking, um, exploration of ideas, <clears throat> and communication of ideas. And Sagittarius, the polarity sign of Gemini, is also at play for the full moon eclipse that's happening on the 26th, right? So this, the 26th, that that um, that eclipse will happen first. It's at five degrees Sagittarius. So you can check out where that is in your chart, find out the house themes that are there and see where you might be having your eclipse uh, magic. But this is calling in a global and philosophical perspective from that Gemini, right? When we look at the Gemini uh, Sagittarius polarity, we see we have Gemini in that third house placement. Mercury, it's that daily um, daily familiar uh, community. It's exploring um, things that are close to us and that we have language for. We're exploring our expression of ideas from our own self, right? It's that self-perspective. We look across the way, we've got Sagittarius. It brings in that global perspective and the philosophical and religious perspectives, right, of the larger community. And we seek to understand ourselves um, and our community through that lens of here's me, uh, being familiar and being able to speak my truth. And here's the we and here's our truth, right? And so more than after a year in this pandemic, so much has changed, right? We're finding new and innovative ways to stay connected and seeking out kindred spirits who get us. And I think a lot of us have been surprised to see who falls away. I posted recently, like, don't, you know, someone had said, like, remember who doesn't call you to check on you during the pandemic. And I had posted it with a, an addition to that meme that said, you know, please don't base your uh, judgments of friendships on this last year because, you know, people are struggling and suffering and, and you, you know, there's battles they're working with that you have no, you know, nothing about. Right. So please don't make the judgment. Oh, well, they must not care about me. Like, <laughs> probably not helpful. Yeah, that might be true in some cases, but this last year has not been an indication of anybody's like prime mental health. So, so have some grace, right? But we're finding new ways to be innovative and stay to be innovative and stay connected and seeking out these people. And Pallas and Neptune are merged in Pisces for much of this Gemini season, right? Pallas, Athena, um, and we'll get into this through the lab, we're actually focusing on Pallas Athene or Athena, Pallas Athena in the Astrologic Lab this month um, because we've done Mercury a couple of times already and I really wanted to move into the asteroid goddesses. And in fact, we're going to be covering at least the big four and beyond this summer. So I'm very excited about that. But we're starting with Pallas and she is very akin, I think, to Gemini energy. She's all about critical thinking and problem solving. She's using her intelligence rather than her brunt force to wage wars. So she is someone who expresses a kind of Aquarian idea and ideals through critical intelligence, right? So she's definitely very Aquarian. And Demetra George, who has an, you know, very significant role in the emergence of the, the goddess asteroids, mentions that she is a fusion or a kite, basically, of... Um, uh, Leo, Aquarius, that axis, that opposition, and then bringing in uh, Libra and Aries. And so there's this sense of, um, you know, uh, fire and air at play in her. Um, I have some thoughts about that. And we're going to get into that in the lab. But I have some thoughts about that. But basically, you know, with Pallas and Neptune, you know, dreams and visions, spiritual healing, forgiveness, um, being merged in Pisces, which is the, you know, the, um, the home sign of Neptune, 
they're they're going to be clearing up dreams that we have for the future. It's like our you know our 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 idealist future is really that ideal. I mean, it's the same thing that I get to when people are like, "Don't you want to go to heaven?" It's like, no. It sounds boring. It sounds like you know. Um, <laughs> not spicy enough for me. I mean, I guess I could have, you know, I'm watching Supernatural right now. If you know me, you know this, but um, I, I'm on season nine, but you know, they're, they're in, in the supernatural world, their version of heaven is like, everybody has their own. And um, so mine would be pretty spicy, I suppose. But, you know, I don't think that that would be ideal. Um, I think that, you know, I like the idea of Earth being kind of messy and a wild place to live and a kind of choose your own adventure situation. Um, but we're clearing up these dreams of like idealism, I think, in a lot of ways, because an ideal future for some, you know, you talk to, you know, folks like that are on the X Project and the Elon Musks of the world. And they have this version of an automated future that takes, you know, people out of certain types of work. And some of that is very appealing. I think I, I do not think that people, um, you know, should be um, required to work six days a week, 50 hour days, day in and day out, you know, and that's a very common practice in what my husband just told me in the warehouse industry. It's like, that's a pretty common thing that is required of you. And I just don't understand that. I know even my sister-in-law, she's worked in um, transportation for a really long time. I won't mention all the things, but like, you know, when I hear about the hours she's pushing and that's pretty norm, I think that that is terrible. Now she happens to, um, you know, be someone who has the privilege of taking vacations and taking time out. But, you know, I would say that no matter what, if you are working for someone else's dream that much and that focus, there's very little time for you to even cultivate a relationship with your own wants, needs, and desires. And that is a really um, rooted point that I want to that I like, I'm so grateful for coming in right here um, that I hadn't expected, but it's very Taurus season. Thank you, Taurus, for teaching me that this year, actually, for maybe good, right? I think I've been recycling this idea for a really long time, but this year throughout um, the beginning of my 12th house, as I moved into the 12th house on the 15th, I took vacation or not the 15th, I'm sorry, the 11th. I took vacation this last two weeks ago, last week. Yeah. And um, it was so nice. It was so nice. Um, and I realized that I, I get to root into making more space throughout the work day. You know, I had just been on a on a on a conveyor belt, really, which I knew. Um, but it's interesting how, you know, of course, within the pandemic and people starting to work from home, they realize, you know, throwing in a load of laundry or tending to a household task that frees me up in the evening during my workday is a gift, right? So, and maybe it's not productive things. Maybe it's a nap, or maybe it's you know, cuddling with your favorite fur baby, or maybe it's like watering those plants, um, you know, taking a stroll through your yard or your neighborhood, you know, being in your community more often than not. Um, you know, I think it shifts our awareness into what's immediately around us. And if we can actually hush down the larger global stuff, we get a little more peace of mind. Um, and of course, you know, again, this idealism that, that, that comes in and gets dismantled through this palace, uh, Neptune conjunction. I mean, it's just interesting. She just sits with Neptune for a while. It's like they're having a beautiful, uh, you know, maybe I think she's agitated at first, right? I mean, palace is known as this kind of warrior. She's Mars or Eros's sister, 
born of Jupiter's or Zeus's head, fully formed, you know, as this, you know, warrior goddess who's a strategic, you know, she's strategic. She's like, uh, you know, Daenerys Targaryen from uh, Game of Thrones, right? She doesn't necessarily fight. She is behind the wheel, understanding the culture of different peoples and um, asking them to stand with her, right? So there's this sense that there's a strategic battle going on in the background. And that sitting down with Neptune, you know, Neptune and Pisces is very based. In, I mean, it's so illusionary, right? The last time I saw this meme, the last time Neptune was in Pisces, Rome fell or something like that, which I, I don't know if that's the last time. Cause when I looked at the last time Pisces was in Neptune, um, the uh, mental psych ward uh, industry was born. Okay. This is like, you know, these are karmic things. These are things that echo, right? So when we know we're not okay, right? When we have so many people who are not okay, um, because the world is kind of a lot right now, but clearing up these dreams we have for the future, what is ideal? How do we care for one another? How do we strategize knowing that some people don't have the value of owning a house and tending to a garden and raising a family? which is the canon of this, you know, you know, the American dream, right? What if we have some people who don't want to stop doing drugs? I mean, you know, like there's some people have so much pain or whatever. Um, they're just barreling towards it, right? We can't actually change how people work. Um, and so what are strategies within communities that accept a certain amount of people who are on these fringes of what's quote unquote normal. Can we actually scoop them up? That's my thought. That's my thought. Um, but with Saturn retrograde in, in Aquarius, right? It's happening till October along with Jupiter, Jupiter will um, retrograde for that long too. We continue to the work of examining karmic lessons about political and social structures that aren't inclusive, right? Or spiritually engaging. This is important, right? Because Neptune's still in Pisces, it's like there's still this spirituality that needs to be addressed, especially with um, the structural piece of it. What has been, you know, really building us in the foundation of our spirituality, Um Uranus square Saturn for much of Gemini season. And this challenging aspect is with us all year, right? But it's building foundations. It's requiring mastery and results, right? It's building a legacy. And Uranus wants that legacy to be synergistic um, to the Earth's cycles, right? She's in, uh, or Uranus is in Taurus, the ultimate Earth mother sign. So there's this system uh, or this need for sustainable systems that, um, you know, kind of stand the test of times of chaos, right? We have to stop making policy that doesn't make sense through the worst times, right? It's like we make our society for the best times. That's what, you know, capitalism is like, let's grow forever. Let's grow forever. It's like, dude, we've gotten to the point you can't grow forever, we're literally on a finite place. There are ways to grow forever, but it doesn't have anything to do with capital. All right. And there is this long transit of a yacht from Saturn and Chiron pointing to Vesta. I think this is interesting. Um, and I really love Virgo and Vesta or Vesta and Virgo. And, um, you know, maybe I'll get into it for me personally. I've been just feeling into it because my son is in Virgo. So, um, Vesta has been in my sun sign for a while. And um, Vesta is that hearth, that home fire. And she's been, you know, there while I began working for myself at home, you know, reorienting myself with my own priorities and setting the pace for what my kids see as options for them to do for 
work. I've also been reconnecting with my family and there's been this wheel of the year change kind of with my parents moving into retirement. So it's been a really interesting couple of years in that regard too. But I think that that Yod and Vesta and Virgo is really about true refuge and independence and the virtue of self-authority. So we're trying to become sovereign beings. What does that mean to be a sovereign being? And um, it's a really beautiful kind of thing. Now, Jupiter is moving into um, Pisces as well. So Jupiter, while has, has been, you know, met up with Saturn, right, at zero degrees Aquarius on, on Yule solstice of last year in 2020, the grand conjunction, kind of a big deal, right? Everybody waited for it. And then Jupiter just sped right fucking through uh, um, Aquarius, right? Already in Pisces um, now and moved into Pisces on the 13th. And so during Gemini season, it's moving a little slower because it's starting to prepare to go retrograde. So it's slowing down a little bit and on June 20th, it will station retrograde the day the sun moves into Cancer at two degrees Pisces. So if you notice a shift, you know, Jupiter moving into a mutable water sign, my dear friends over at the Curious, Con Curiously Conscious podcast mentioned, mentioned this, it's a good point that there's all this mutable energy that's being exacerbated by Jupiter moving into Pisces. And again, Jupiter is the traditional ruler of Pisces. So there's this also big coming home party almost because Jupiter has been around the wheel, right? The last time Jupiter was in Pisces was 12 years ago. And so there's kind of this really interesting end of an era party going on. Feels like a retirement party, maybe. But there's the spiritual, you know, awakening that's really starting to gain some momentum it's going to retrograde at two degrees and head back into Aquarius. It's going to go all the way back to like 26 degrees Aquarius, um, I think, is where it's at. And so it goes pretty far back and then moving forward again sometime in, um, in October. All right. That's what I have so far for you. I hope that you will continue to watch the cosmos and listen in. When you come back, if you want to, I have a little bit of a snippet about what I'd like to share around eclipse season and moon cycles for this. So come on back. All right, which is okay. I know we just had like these little, little intermittent breaks, but I put in places for um, sponsorships. So you might have heard of sponsorship. Anyways, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, you can always uh, reach out to me and um, I will talk about your business. <laughs> I'm not above that shit. I would love to hear what you are doing. Um, anyways, blah, blah, blah. I am wanting to share a little bit about how to witchcraft the eclipse season. Now, before I do that, I will just, let's, let's drop in. I don't think I got to every single planet. I do want to say, you know, Mars is in cancer and during Gemini season will move into Leo. Okay. That is from a cardinal to a fixed sign. Now, Mars in Leo is usually fire season very often. I think that when we look at Mars moving into Leo, you know, passions run high. It can be a really good time to fall in love and have good sex and feel really potent. Um, you know, and it's, you know, the, the, the time of year where things are really running hot and passionate, you might be able to finally get, um, that last bit of notoriety or be seen in some way and be really proud of yourself. So I hope, I hope that that's good. You might just check out where Mars is moving through in your chart because um, anytime there's an ingress, which is when Mars moves into a new sign, you know, it's very often that the energy shifts and it's nice to know where that energy shift might happen. Okay. So when, when Mars moves um, from cancer into Leo in my chart, it's going to be in, um, in my 
uh, second house. And so it's just good to know, you know, where's Mars right now? Mars is, it's funny, Mars is in my second house and here I am um, like pushing, <laughs> you know, I've been trying to sell a bunch of stuff and then like create new forms of income. I put up recently that fairy festival um, sale and I don't normally, I, I don't always promote and promote and promote, but I did design a few things that I'm really proud of, including a natal chart template that is so beautiful. I made it for the lab, but if you want to order one, I'll ship it directly to your house through Canva printing. And um, it's very beautiful. I love it. I recently put it inside of a frame and then used it at a show with a dry erase marker and drew people's charts to show them while we were talking about it. It was fucking revolutionary. I'm going to probably, I'm checking out vendors right now to see about putting it on whiteboards. It's really expensive, but I mean, if you are interested as an astrologer in something like that through, you know, to teach with that or to do readings, live readings with that, let me know because I think that that would be super fucking fun. Um, I'm also just down to send you that poster makes sense because you put it in a frame that's got the glass. You just talk, you know, you just write on that. It's amazing. Um, and then you can make the frame pretty if you want, which I love. Um, and then I also have an offering to fill that out for you if you want your natal chart put in there as a custom. And right now, everything on the Fairy Realm page of my website is on sale for 15% off. So you can go and put in your email, get the code, and then buy anything on that website with that code and um, get 15% off. I have a couple of readings up. I think I mentioned this at the top of the episode, so I apologize for the repeating. But again, Mars is in my second house. So I got to bring home some bacon. You know, I want to go on some vacations this year. And, um, it's been a tough, it's been a tough year, right? I mean, I started out last year pretty strong in my own business and, um, you know, it's just that time of year where things start to feel like they're, you know, maybe it's cause I'm in my 12th house, but that germination time feels really uneasy. So with Mars in my second house, I'm like, okay, let's go. But again, you know, it's in cancer. So I'm emotionally connected. I'm emotionally invested. You know, I do nothing half-assed. I never do. Um, well, I have been letting myself do things more gracefully, but I wouldn't say that's half-ass. I'm like whole-assing everything. <laughs> but you might notice where yours is, right? Mars in the chart will create action and initiation and this go-getter attitude. It's a cheerleader. It's also, you know, sometimes a, um, you know, a declaration of war. So, you know, watch out where that's at. You might check it out. If it's running through your seventh house, like don't say that thing to your partner that you think will just sizzle them. <laughs> it might mean good sex. It also might mean, you know, fighting a lot so you can have makeup sex. Either way, do what you do best and try and uh, and and understand where it's at in your chart, right? All right. The other thing that's happening, uh, Venus is in Gemini, but will move into Cancer during Gemini season, okay? So Venus moving into Cancer, you know, has this shift, right? With, with Gemini having um, Venus in it, it's been very, like, you know, flirty, flirtatious energy, lots of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I think that's how, you know, Venus works itself out in Gemini. She, you know, she speaks her truth through, you know, loving actions and, um, and is here to communicate love. But when we move it into cancer, there's this deeper emotional connection that is forged. So it's an interesting time to be um, maybe in a new relationship because that shift may deepen the relationship quite intensely. And it'd be interesting to know where that's happening in your chart and maybe in your beloved's as well. Um, all right. What else do I want to share? Okay. Yeah, that's it for, for that. Now let's move on to the moon cycle. Okay. So the moon cycle of Gemini season is a mutable moon, moon cycle. What do I mean by that? Each moon cycle is marked by a quality of the quarters, okay? It can be helpful to understand this energetic signature. A mutable lunation, a moon cycle, um, is the liminal space of transformation. So essentially this means, you know, we start 
we start this um, uh, this Gemini season, right, on the 20th of May, the first lunar phase punctuation mark is the Sagittarius full moon eclipse on the 26th, okay? That Sagittarius full mutable sign, it's the mutable fire sign. Then on the 2nd of June, we'll have a third quarter moon in Pisces, the mutable water sign. Then on June 10th, we'll have a new moon eclipse on, um, at like I said, on June 10th in Gemini, which is the mutable air sign, right? Now remember, all of the new moons happen in the same sign as the sun season, okay? So if the sun is in Gemini, which is what Gemini season means, then when we have a new moon during Gemini season, it will be in the sign of Gemini. That is how that works. Okay, then we'll have a first quarter moon towards the end of Gemini season, in Virgo, which is the mutable earth sign. And that's on the 17th of June. So when we talk about these mutable signs kind of being the quarters of the moon cycle, we are just opening to that flexibility. Again, it's marking that emotional awareness of I am flexible, I'm agile, I'm learning, right? I'm trying new things. There's this movement it's movement, right? It's not being fixed in a way and, and, and trying one thing and sticking with it. And it's not cardinal energy, which is perhaps pivoting, trying new things um, or beginning something new. Mutable energy is, is flowing and shifting and swaying. It's consuming new material in new ways. So there's there's not a lot of controlled data, right? It's very much uh, based on chaos theory, I think. You know, it's a little squirrely, it can be. So if you have a very mutable chart, something, you know, where you have a lot of planets and mutable signs, this may feel very activated. It might be overactive and you might be really ADHD about everything this month. If you have a very fixed sign, it might be uncomfortable. If you have a very fixed chart, it might be uncomfortable. But it might also be very good for you to recognize like, oh, this is what's happening. How can I break up some of that, you know, uh, calcium deposits? How can I break that up a little bit and become a little more flexible? How can I move my spine? I'm, I'm right now I'm like doing Sufi rolls, right? Like it's like, how can I, how can I become a little more flexible? How can I, you know, stretch my hip, hip flexors? right? Especially with that full moon in Sagittarius, Sagittarius rules the hips. How can I, how can I move my hips a little more? Get that, you know, some of that gets a little sticky if you don't move it. So the mutable signs remind us to, to move, to, um, you know, focus on mobility and agility and flexibility. And the full moon eclipse happens and it happens at five degrees Sagittarius on the 26th of May. It's at 4.14 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And so that means that, you know, right at the new moon, you know, at least I will be sleeping. So these are the nights where I will definitely have um, a little meditation before bed and decide I'm going to, you know, have some prophetic dreams and write them down in the morning. Now, that doesn't always work, but I'm always working towards manifestation. So I put that out there into the universe and we see how that goes, right? But during a full moon eclipse, we kind of have this portal. It's like a full moon and a new moon at the same time. So we're releasing something and calling in new magic. So in Sagittarius, it's this global perspective. There's philosophical goodness and higher education highlighted. And I think that there's um, hopefully going to be good juju coming through rather than um, not so good. You know, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter and with Jupiter and Pisces, I think spiritual um, awakenings are very, very much part of par for the course here. Um, Neptune and Pallas, that conjunction I was talking about is exact on that full moon day as well. And um, it's exact for a few days, but the North Node in Gemini is also sextile to Chiron and Aries in exact. Now that's kind of a big deal. Okay. So these exact conjunctions with uh, Pallas and Neptune, as well as Gemini being sextile to Chiron, um, 
or the North node rather sextile the Chiron. The North node is this collective lesson we are working towards something that of a goal. It's like, we're learning new languages in, in the North node in Gemini. We're learning new communications, you know, think about the ways in which society has embraced new um, pronouns and ways that we're talking about indigenous land. And we're talking about colonizers and we're changing, you know, the words that I think, you know, prior to, it's like, it's not political correctness. This is called compassion. This is how we uh, create a compassionate world, right? We're, we're changing the ideas. We're not, you know, we're not being told that we must do something and it's authority. We're looking towards collective care. How do we care for a community that we're, we're part of, right? It's not, you know, how, how do we, how do we do these things and how do we language them so that we remember what the intention is, right? I don't have, um, it's interesting. Like I, uh, what was, there was another, oh, you know, we don't talk about um, slaves. We talk about the enslaved people, right? That matters. They were enslaved. They weren't slaves, right? I'm not a victim. I was assaulted, right? I'm a survivor. Words have real power. And in Gemini, the North Node is really doubling down on this this time. And, you know, we won't get another lesson in this for another, what, 18 years or something like that. So soak this shit up. We're getting a, a, a language lesson here, right? It's not just semantics. And with that North Node in Gemini sextile, right, helpful energy to Chiron, Chiron is the wounded healer. And in Aries, it's the wounded self. It's the wounded self-image. It's the wounded warrior, even. Wounded champion. It's like Rocky. <laughs> Why am I making a Rocky reference? Because when I think of, I just, you know, I don't know. It's, it's Daniel LaRusso. Here, this is a little, little more modern because we've all watched Cobra Kai, right? It's Daniel LaRusso when he has gotten his leg sweeped, right? Johnny swept, swept the leg and he stands up and he does his shit anyways, right? So he's this wounded champion and he's still standing in his power best he can in order to learn this new language. Now, I don't know if kicking Johnny in the face way back in the day and like winning the girl was like the same as, you know, Chiron, Sextile, North Node, Gemini. Sometimes my metaphors don't always work out. But I will say that with a North Node in Gemini, we're learning the new languages of, you know, <laughs> um speaking of Cobra Kai, it's like when Johnny's learning about the internet and he's just like, he the concept of connecting and what it is that we share with each other. How do we connect for understanding? How do I speak to be understood? Do I slow down? Do I talk down to people and act as if, if they don't know what I'm talking about, they must be like living under a rock or something. It's like, and maybe I'm kind of a know-it-all, but you know, my, my intention is to share and I think that as I've grown older and I dare say wiser, or at least more uh, deliberate, I recognize that I have not always spoken to be understood and instead have spoken to, you know, place myself on a platform or as a, you know, as an expert of some kind or, you know, and, and make sure that I'm right and all these things. And, you know, I'm not perfect. My husband will definitely, I should have a review for my husband. Like my wife is not perfect, but, um, <laughs> but I, you know, I've learned so much grace through, you know, loving my imperfections. And some of that comes from recognizing that I have this Gemini rising that I used to really demonize you know, the Gemini sign was not something easy for me to accept. And as I grow into um, this baby crone, you know, I'm 42, I'm having a Jupiter and a Uranus opposition. I'm in this real upheaval time, recognizing 
you know, the things I really give a fuck about and doing my best to let the rest go. I am so grateful for the lessons of Gemini and the North node being in Gemini right now has been really helpful for me. That sextile to Chiron is no mistake, right? The last time we had Chiron in Aries was right after, um, the civil rights began. Um, well, not right after it was, um, 1968, right before Martin Luther King was shot, um, Mercury, or I'm sorry, Chiron moved into Aries. So anyone who was born right then within that eight year period around then is having a Chiron return and Chiron returns, especially access our, our healing journey. It's a pivotal moment in our healing journey. And with this palace conjunction to Neptune, we're really critically thinking about the spiritual life we want to lead. How does idealism meet reality? How do we, you know, look at a global world and decide for ourselves how to, how, what our role is within it. And, you know, and not, you know, piss on anybody's parade, but also keep ourselves, you know, seated in where we have power, which is over our thoughts, feelings, and actions. And how do we then also scoop up, you know, Uranus and Taurus, which asks us to upheave so much of the structure based on synthesis with the world and her needs, the, you know, uh, the natural order of um, living, breathing things which need to change and need to grow and need to die and need to um, adapt, right? And have diversity and agility and flexibility. So this full moon eclipse in Sagittarius is stacked with good stuff. And I love that. So that next day after it, by the way, it's Venus and Mercury conjunct square Neptune palace. And that square is going to really reverberate still, right? We're going to have some time to really understand the shape of our hearts. Um, with an eclipse, we are shown the truth. And this south node moon in Sag is remembering a great lesson, right? So the moon is in Sagittarius that day, opposite Mercury, um, Venus in, in Gemini as well. And Saturn's retrograding in Aquarius, and it's going to be square to Uranus that day. And Chiron and that sextile to Aries is still happening. So, um, to the North node, Chiron North, sextile to North node is still happening. So we're really looking to soothe these old wounds. And I think spontaneous healing may come up through self-talk or ritual, new habits, and even conflicts between your head and your heart, which may be troubling you all of a sudden may have a spontaneous kind of aha or, or healing. And that's what I'm kind of dropping in to that space right now. I really hope that that's um, helpful and that that's true. All right, let's talk about the new moon eclipse in Gemini really quick before we head out of here. And so the new moon eclipse is going to happen on the 10th of June. And this new moon is going to be square to Pallas in Neptune and conjunct Mercury retrograde. So the new moon in Gemini, Gemini and Mercury retrograde are going to be conjunct on the same day, right? So the sun, the moon, and Mercury, all conjunct in Gemini. And that is at um, 19 degrees of Gemini. Okay, so this is that annular eclipse that happens with the new moon. It's You can still see the ring around the sun, but the moon is basically in um, side the sun in, in some, in all intents and purposes. This one happens at, at three in the morning as well, almost four in the morning, Pacific standard time, this new moon, right? I mentioned that, oh, the full moon, um, happens at four, yeah, 4 a.m. And this one happens at 3 a.m. Well, four, 3.58, so 4 a.m. both times. Um, so a lot of things you might, you know, think, oh, it's during the day. It's really during the early, early morning. And you might want to do your rituals the night before, especially with the full moon. You want to set your moon water out the night before. You want to do, you know, begin those ritual workings the night before and then probably finish them up when you wake up. That's my recommendation. I think that that's a fun way to approach that. Um, but the new moon being that conjunct to Mercury retrograde, right? We're talking about all these 
pieces where we're looking, we're reviewing the thoughts we have, the way we grow, the way we learn, the way we connect with our community and those things that are familiar, maybe our siblings, perhaps our coworkers, um, exploring new pathways through um, language to express our truth, what really matters to us. Um, but this new moon brings a super fresh perspective. It's um, looking for new information, ask good questions and be open to being wrong about what you have taken as fact in the past. This is really what I think this new moon eclipse is offering us is your mind being really open and ready to receive. And while Pallas right in Neptune is challenging you that square to strategically think about spirituality and look for where this new moon happens in your chart for deeper insights. So based on the house that this new moon is in, you might, you know, start to sync up what it is you want to um, work on for this new moon cycle in Gemini. Again, we're still really at the new moon in Taurus, so this is a, an ahead. But I really hope that you will enjoy eclipse season, enjoy Mercury retrograde best you can. And if you want support, come join the lab. Go to Gen go to paintagoddess.com slash learn dash astrology. Or if you want my 12 house workshop, you can go to paintagoddess.com slash your 12 houses and check that out. Those show notes will be in my link. The link will be in my show notes um, to get that stuff. All right. I love you. I will see you next week. Have a beautiful fucking day. And remember, you're powerful as fuck. Hey, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, share it, review it, subscribe to it. I would love to hear from you as well. You can DM me on Instagram at Painted Goddess. That's where I hang out the most. And now we're on Clubhouse 2 having Astrologic Lab conversations. If you want to go even deeper, the best way to do that is to join my Astrologic Lab. It's the monthly program where we take your natal chart and you go month by month diving deep and deep into the astrologic weather that lives within you. You are a cosmic being full of stardust and made of all the things that are up in the sky. Let's go unpack it and get our shit together. I love you, witches. I'll see you next week.